Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends, and welcome to a very special episode of the Bill Press Pod for this holiday season. In earlier days, they were called the Brethren. But Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes once described them as nine scorpions in a bottle. (laughs) Of course, I'm talking about the Supreme Court, which is very much back in the news these days with two extreme conservatives, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, appointed to the court by Donald Trump, and with everybody worried about the health of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The fact that Justice John Roberts is now the centrist or the swing vote just shows you how far the court has moved to the right. We depend on a very small, dedicated group of journalists to keep their eye on the court every day and to keep us informed not only on the big cases they're considering, but what's happening behind the scenes. And nobody has done it longer, and nobody does it better than NPR's Supreme Court reporter, Nina Totenberg. I had the pleasure of interviewing Nina Totenberg a couple of months ago in front of an audience at the Hill Center on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Today was a day of breaking news at the Supreme Court. I was afraid you might not even be able to make it. There was so much news. So can we start there? Um, The judges on transgender issues. Let's start with that. So the first question was, there was a motion from the Solicitor General asking the Supreme Court for two things. It asked the Supreme Court, number one, to um, allow the administration to go forward with its, essentially a ban on transgender personnel in the military, although there's some exceptions. Um, And there are a whole bunch of judges in lower courts that had uh, said that the administration had not given a good enough justification for undoing the Obama administration policy that allowed transgenders in the military, and that therefore there were a bunch of nationwide injunctions that said, you can't implement this new policy of yours. Uh, So the Trump administration went to the Supreme Court and it wanted two things. It wanted the court to say, you can start implementing the policy, and the court said, yes, you can start implementing the policy by a five to four vote with the liberals dissenting. Um, And the second thing that the Trump administration wanted was it wanted to leapfrog the normal appeals process and skip the appellate courts, principally the Ninth Circuit. Mm -hmm. And the court said, no, we're not going to do that. But for all practical purposes, this means that for months, if not years, the policy will be implemented until and unless the court rules otherwise. And the fact that there were five justices, all of them conservative justices, who said that uh, the administration could proceed with its policy 
you don't usually um, you don't usually get rid of of a a lower court injunction unless you think that the side that it, you're siding with has a pretty good chance of winning has a likely chance of winning and so I think it's reasonable to assume that five members of this court who have strong records supporting executive authority, particularly in matters related to national security and the military, that they will ultimately sustain this policy if it ever comes to them. That, you know, these, these cases still have to be tried in the lower courts fully and decided by the Ninth Circuit. And it's not terribly important from here on in to the Trump administration because they got what they wanted. So they're not going to mm -hmm. fight this tooth and nail to hurry up. Is this a, con a one concrete evidence of the presence of Brett Kavanaugh and the absence of Anthony Kennedy on a LGBT-related issue? It could be. It's possible. But I don't know what Justice Kennedy would have thought about the question of um, what, how he would have viewed the question of discretion in the military as to who can come in and who can't. Uh, after all, it took an act of Congress to allow gays in the military. It wasn't done by the Supreme Court. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure that it would have made the critical difference, but it might well have. I, I really don't know. It's not it's this it's these other case decided today that definitely will be very different and the other case was about gun rights and the court for the first time in almost uh, a decade agreed to hear a major gun rights case and the case is from new york uh, new york has a pretty strict ordinance that says you can um you can have a license to have a handgun in your home which is what the court said in 2008 and 2010 in the Heller and McDonald cases, that you have a constitutional right to have a gun for your own self-defense in your home. And so New York has an ordinance that gives you a license to do that. And you, if you have that license, you're allowed to go to any shooting range in the seven, five boroughs of Manhattan. And there are seven shooting ranges in the five boroughs of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And you can use your gun there for practice and whatever. But you're not allowed to transport it outside of the city of New York. And so that means that you can't take it to your country bungalow in the in, in Connecticut. In, in Connecticut or even in New York. Even in New, New York, York State, State and let's yeah. say in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. Um you it, let's it's if it's not if it's not your primary residence, you can't take it there. Um, you could keep it in New York State. There are other counties that have different rules, and I presume you could have you could buy two guns and keep one in New York City and one in your um, Hudson Valley residence or where you your live city, on the week go your on city the weekends. gun and your country gun. Um, the people who are challenging it um, view it say it's the most restrictive. Uh, handgun law in the country, and if that's true, and I wouldn't be surprised if it is, um, I would assume that the court will strike it down. 
the only question is, how will they strike it down? Will they strike it down and say, you have to give a, you have to provide for people to be able to carry their guns from their homes to their, from one home to another home within the state or to, uh, I mean, to, I mean, all of the, the rules in the state of New York's in the sit in the city ordinance say if even if you take it to a shooting range it has to be um unloaded and locked so presumably i i'm, I'm assuming this i don't know there is a a, ca a concealed carry license you could get but i'm assuming that in new york they're somewhat restrictive also so i'm i wouldn't be surprised if the Supreme Court were to strike down this law, even though the lower courts unanimously upheld it. Um, and the question is how? Will they limit it to this, these kinds of very restrictive facts, or will they open the door wide to lots more um, uh, decisions striking down gun regulations and be right. treat gun regulations with great hostility or at least suspicion? And in this case, um, the cases in which the court held that there is a constitutional right to personal, private ownership of a gun in your home for your own self-defense, Justice Scalia wrote that opinion, but the fifth vote was Kennedy, and uh, I was told that as, as a condition of his support, Scalia had to insert a whole section of the opinion, which is considered the most important section of the opinion, at least so far, saying that state and local governments can have reasonable rules regulating gun ownership and gun possession. So uh, that was Kennedy's view very clearly. And presumably they didn't take a major gun case for ten, almost 10 years because the conservatives were pretty sure that Kennedy would not be with them on, on most reasonable gun restrictions. Well, Kennedy's retired now, replaced by Kavanaugh, who has uh, written opinions as a lower court judge in which he treats the Second Amendment much like the First Amendment. He views it as a pretty much very close to absolute Absolutely. right. And so that would mean that a lot of, lot of regulations would fall. So we're going to see how this all shakes out. And it's a very important case, obviously. Uh, the Congress and the White House are back and forth on the Dreamers program today. And this is also a case where the administration wanted the Supreme Court to leapfrog kind of what they did with mm -hmm. um, the transgender case uh, and the court today? Didn't do anything. It's been sitting on that case for a long time. Um, and I think the court doesn't want to. There is a, a, a nationwide order in place. After all, this is a case where the, the Trump administration dismantled an existing policy. And the question is whether they had the right to do that and in what way and all kinds of things like that. And I think it's such a fraught case politically and generally dreamers are the most sympathetic people in the whole immigration debate. So I don't think the court particularly wants to get into that. So it doesn't do anything. It hasn't it would take five votes to undo the the lower court injunction, and I don't. I I guess there aren't five votes that really want to do that, and they can see that there's a lot of activity going on in the political world. Why should they get into it? 
Other Supreme Court related news today, uh, in an interview with the New York Times, um, <coughs> Senator Mitch McConnell said that uh, not scheduling a vote on Merrick Garland or even a hearing on Merrick Garland was the most consequential thing I have ever done. Well, it probably was. <laughs> uh, and he said that before. And he was very, I mean, he didn't just not schedule uh, a, he not a, a hearing or a vote. He leaned on people to prevent it. Anytime any member of his caucus got up and said, well, I think we really ought to give the guy a hearing or gave any hint like that, um, he would threaten a primary opponent. That happened to Senator Moran in Kansas, who quickly climbed off the, the ledge and went back with his troops. I mean, it's just, um, this is something that Mitch McConnell probably cares more about than anything else as judges. He has been absolutely brilliant and ruthless in pursuit of this goal. And the Democrats have been unbrilliant and unruthless. Mm. And, um, and they are paying the, the consequences now. There was a case, uh, our friend Adam Liptak in the New York Times before us this morning, uh, not a case that's pending, but a case that the judges have decided to take, which is about a new clothing line, uh, which is under the brand, uh, under the slogan of Friends You Can't Trust, or the acronym F-U-C-T, FUCKED. Uh, now, <laughs> How this made it to the Supreme Court is one question. But my question is, are we really going to hear Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg no, you're not. and Sonia Sotomayor no. talk about? I mean, after all, they had the same, essentially the same case a couple of years, a couple of terms ago, which was about, this is the, the copyright people have a rule that you can't use, they don't approve of obscene and um, discriminatory and nasty language. They, they don't approve that in copyrights. Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be a really consistent way to define those things. So the last time it was the Slants, which was an Asian rock group that wanted to, they called themselves the Slants and said they were, they were essentially outing themselves, trying to make mainstream this, this derogatory term and they, it was a violation of their free speech, and the Supreme Court agreed with them. So now comes fucked. What's the difference? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, the lower, or I guess the trademark board said that this was not acceptable because it was a phonetic equivalent, I guess, of the Maybe. other fuck. It's, it's <laughs> worth a try. It's worth a try, but I don't think it's going to work. You never know. <laughs> right. Uh, there was also a... Maybe you could explain. There was a mis there's this mystery case going to the court about some foreign corporation that has something to do with Robert Mueller, but nobody's <laughs> nobody's talking about what the corporation is, or maybe you know. Well, we don't company. know because everything's under seal. So we do know the court released at least a little more from the briefs, but not much. What we know is that the corporation is sort of synonymous with the country, so. Let us assume for the sake of argument that it's Russia um, and it's an oil company or uh, something like that. And Mueller subpoenaed their records, the corporation's records, and the 
company went all the way to the Supreme Court trying to quash the subpoena, saying it couldn't do that. And the court didn't agree and just got rid of it. So they'll probably come back again and again, but um, so far they have not prevailed. And uh, it's, it's really very difficult. I read the DC Circuit opinion, which has so much of it, of the facts blacked out that I can't make head or tail. <laughs> <laughs> And that's deliberative, right? They, well, they don't want but, anybody to, I mean, it's all, it's all secret. It's, it's all grand jury material. And so they can't, it, under federal law, you're not supposed to disclose grand jury material, as long as the grand jury is sitting anyway. How do you rate or judge, you're so close to them, the, the way the justices get along today with the new, two new members, is there a certain camaraderie that you, that's either there or lacking? And how important is that in their, in their work? Well, I think when you're stuck with each other for life, it's always somewhat important. <laughs> uh, I don't have the sense, you know, Justice Gorsuch had a sort of a tough beginning. Um, he came onto the court in... I think it was March. The first thing that happened was he told the Chief Justice that he wasn't going to be at the first conference because he'd been sworn in like two or three days earlier. This is not unheard of. Mm -hmm. And besides that, he would promise to take his daughter on a college hunting trip, and he wasn't up to snuff on these cases. And the Chief Justice was apparently very put off and said that it was disrespectful of his colleagues. But he didn't do it, and he went with his daughter. And then the next thing, he had a very tough time in the beginning. He was, he was, he would, in, in, the very, in the very first day, there was an incredibly arcane case involving the Merit Systems Protection Board and the layers of review, when you get to go to federal court. And he made a tactical mistake of saying that this was very simple. All you had to do was read the statute and the Constitution, and you had the answer. And even somebody who was generally uh, on the same page as Gorsuch, in this case, Justice Alito, said, it's not simple. <laughs> <laughs> so I th but I sort of sense that he's um, gotten a little more comfortable in his own skin and that other people have tried very hard to not uh, to make him feel welcome and not there were the likes of me and other people wrote enough nasty things about him that I think they didn't want him to feel like a like he was being ostracized or hazed by the by the new by the other justices is there any sort of left right friendship like there was between Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg among the justices today that you observe well you know their friendship went back many years to well before they were on the court um, even before they were both judges on the D.C. Circuit. Hmm. So uh, she knew him and he knew her when they were both at the University of Chicago for some teaching. I think he was teaching there. She was a visitor for some brief period of time. And, and they became friends for, at the first then. And then they served for years together on the D.C. Circuit. 
And anybody who knew Justice Scalia, he was a very hard guy not to like. He was, and he made her laugh, as she said often mm -hmm. in public. He made her laugh, and and I went probably the best interview I ever did was an interview of the two of them in Lisner Auditorium. And they were not tired. It was, I think, during the February break. They were not tired. They came to play. I knew them both really well. They teased each other. They laughed about each other and with each other. And they fought respectfully, but they fought about a lot of important things. And I don't think that there's that kind of a relationship between two people on the court today. How about justice, uh, the chief justice? Um, you have written, I think, and others have certainly, that now he is the swing vote. Um, what does that mean for John Roberts to be the well, swing Well, John Roberts vote is a very conservative judge, so for him to be the swing vote is, you're, 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 you're really, in trouble. <laughs> you're, liberals are in trouble, but, but I think he does have a, a very acute sense of his role as chief justice, too acute in the, in the view of some of his colleagues, um, of his role as chief justice and the institutional imperatives of the court. And the chief justice that he most admired was Charles Evan, Evans Hughes. And I, I think this chief justice understands that if they go, if the court becomes veers very hard right um, and does it quickly if it does it at all you know if mm -hmm. it and it, it will do it quickly at some point assuming that you have five members of the court who are very conservative unless he drops off or is able to broker some sorts of compromises and if he's not at some point in the future, there will be a Democratic president and there will be both houses of Congress controlled by the Democrats. And when that happens, if the court is viewed by the public as a whole as kind of wacky right and, and workers and other people think they're not be tre being treated fairly, there will be a push. It's the, you know, all the talk about term limits and all of that, you can forget about it. It's that those all require a constitutional amendment. And furthermore, they're not going to happen. And if they did, it wouldn't make a huge difference right away. What would make a huge difference right away is if you packed the court. If you added a couple of justices to the num number of ju judges on the court. And the last president who tried that was FDR and mm -hmm. famously um, lost in his court packing plan. But the numbers of justices on the Supreme Court of the United States has changed 10 times over the course of our history. And almost every one of those times, the, the justices have been added or subtracted if they died and weren't replaced, on, you know, they changed the number for political reasons. And there's no reason on God's good earth that that couldn't happen now. Right. And um, so what should we read into, uh, based on what you just said, about the Chief Justice when um, a judge in California said that the administration rule on asylum Mm -hmm. uh, only granting people, people had to come into a port of entry if they wanted to seek mm -hmm. asylum. And a judge said, no, that did not hold. Mm -hmm. uh, and justice, and, and the president said, oh, that was an Obama judge. Right. And John Roberts spoke up and said, no, 
there are no Obama judges or Trump judges, right? Judges. Or Bush judges or Clinton judges. Right. And I think he firmly believes that. And I, I, I think that that is more often true than not true. But, and I, at, at the time I thought it was appropriate, you know, that he did that. But immediately, you know, I went upstairs at, we know when, when Trump gets off the golf course and he was at Mar-a-Lago when, when Robert said that. So we know when he gets off the golf course. And the minute he got off the golf course, he started tweeting nasty grams um, about this. And the truth is here, if you, if, if you lie down with somebody like that, there is, you do not win, as Marco Rubio learned in the primaries. And so you, I would not expect him to do it again. He mm -hmm. did his one shot. He drew a line. Um, my guess, and it's really only a guess, is that he was infuriated, that he lost his temper. And that having seen hmm. that you can't win this kind of a contest with Trump, he won't do it again. And today's podcast brought to us by the Teamsters Union. The 1.4 million members of the Teamsters Union under President Jim Hoffa, America's strongest union representing, as they say, everybody from A to Z, everybody from airline pilots to zookeepers. We salute the Teamsters, thank them for their great work for America, and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I want to go back to 
you and how you got started in how did you choose legal affairs? I didn't your... choose it. I got assigned to it. <laughs> <laughs> and in truth, you know, uh, I always did a lot of other things. I do less, few. I do fewer other things now than cover legal questions and the Supreme Court. But when I started out at NPR, I covered the Supreme Court, the Justice Department, all the special prosecutors, the House and Senate Judiciary Committee, and just for kicks, the intelligence community. <laughs> now we have about 10 people who do that, those things now. They don't need, uh, nor could I do it in the era of, of multi-platform journalism. There just aren't, there's not enough of me. And when I think about, you mentioned the early days of NPR, you've been with NPR, if I may ask, since? I think we'll skip that. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but ladies of the, a certain age do not like to give hints. That is true. I want to tell you that, that last this past week was my birthday. Politico wrote and said they would like to feature me as the birthday of the week. <laughs> and I said, but then you're going to say how old I am. So the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. But in those early days, you I think of you, uh, Cokie Roberts, mm -hmm. Susan Stenberg, uh, Linda Wertheimer. The founding mothers, really. And we're all still there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and NPR has evolved and grown and... Multiplied by many times over. And, in, you know, I don't think um, we ever imagined that we would be the conservative in the traditional sense of conservative network, that we would be the ones who would be the last to say shithole. Um, <laughs> because first it was decreed that we couldn't say shithole. And then when the world was talking about shithole, then we had to talk about shithole. And Robert Siegel, who had retired the previous week, said it was the, it was just, he was horrified to learn that he had not been able to say shithole because, <laughs> because he had fought so hard to be able to say shithole. And so we brought him back for some other appearance and let him say shithole. Knowing Robert well, I'm sure he enjoyed it fully. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I, I would be the first to say that we do not have a big enough staff to do some of the investigative breaking stories that the Times and the Post do. Uh, but we would have to, we've already doubled the number of White House correspondents we have, and we'd have to double it or triple it again. I think Post and Times have something like nine or ten reporters on those beats now. Um, but look overall, looking at coverage of the news, I would have to say that ours is the most reliable, the most consistently fair, and the, the network where you really can hear a diversity of opinion. Now, is it perfect? No, it's not. We probably have more transgender stories than anybody else, and I can't figure out why. <laughs> but, but having said that, it's if you actually listen to our programs every day, you will hear a lot of things you agree with, and a lot of things you don't agree with, and a lot of things that you learn. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, amen. In your time of covering the court, what what are the 
couple of decisions that you believe the most, the one that had the most positive impact in the country and the one that had the most negative impact? Mm. Well, you know, this is rather parochial, but I think the one that had the most positive in impact when I was a young reporter was the Pentagon Papers case. Mm -hmm. And in hindsight, even the government's advocate, the then Solicitor General Erwin Griswold, came to say, eventually to say, there was nothing in those documents that was deserving of a, a, high, a classification in, a, in any serious way. Um, and if the court had ruled the other way, it would have really dramatically changed what a free press means in the United States. It would have been a lot less free and the government would have been a lot more powerful. So although that seems almost like a historical footnote today, I mm -hmm. lived through it and so it meant a lot to me. Right. Um, the case that I, I, that concerns me most, although I don't have an easy solution for this, is, is Citizens United because um, money has flowed into the political system in such rivers that it is enormously influ influential and it does seem that Congress is almost constitutionally, every pun intended, incapable of having at least full disclosure because they get all the money from these people, much of it secretly. Therefore, why are they going to disclose that? Mm. Um, they're the beneficiaries of indirectly the money, so, and sometimes directly. So I, I, it is the decision that, do I think that McCain-Feingold, for example, would have, without being amended over and over and over, can, continued to plug the various loopholes? No. Um, money is like water in a wooden boat. It'll find a way. But if you keep plugging it up, you will be able to mainly stop it from being too corrosive that, with the emphasis on the two, because it's always going to be beneficial in some ways and corrosive in others. But if you can't do that, and they're really, the court has left us with almost no tools to do that. Uh, it's very distressing, and I can't figure out a way to people who say, well, we, we ought to have a constitutional amendment. Okay, tell me what it would say mm. right. that wouldn't curtail all of our rights in a lot of serious ways. It's not so easy. And that's it for this edition of the Bill Press Pod with Nina Totenberg. Happy holidays again. And one more reminder, please, if you haven't already done so, Please subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. It's so easy. It's free. Just go to wherever you go for your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn. Search for the Bill Press Pod. When it comes up, just click on subscribe, and you are in. And if you really want to make us happy, uh, toward the end of the year here, give us a big five-star review. That really helps us grow the podcast every single week. And be sure that you don't miss a single podcast by following me on Twitter at Bill Press Pod, at Bill Press Pod. That way you'll get advance notice of every podcast as it hits and you won't miss a single one. Again, thank you so much for listening. Happy holidays. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.